Dr. CJ DePalma. What's going on? Hey, buddy. How are you? Tired. It's yeah. it's Monday. It's All been a long week already. All that training. All that, <laughs> yeah. that six days in a row of training. I, I took a rest day today. Quit bitching at me. <laughs> do not, do oh, not bitch man. at me. Do not bitch me. It. And it's not six in a row. That's a that's a falsehood. I never said I trained six days in a row. <clears throat> you said that you take one full rest day. Mm-hmm. And then you take an active day that you just scale more than usual. But if you take one rest day, you <laughs> have to train six days in a row to get to that point. No, not really. There's a difference between training and scaling. Oh, there's definitely is, a difference. You know, it? there's, you know, yes, you know, there's yeah, a difference. So. You absolutely it's know. All, like, I was, it's all relative. I was talking to somebody about this. Um, I, to my other co- one of my other coaches uh, this weekend. And it occurred to me um, how little I think sometimes we think of that. Acti- like we don't, people don't normally take into account the activities they're doing outside of the gym or how little activity they're doing outside of the gym. 100%. You know, so like as an example, I did, I, when I trained on Sunday, I did a ridiculously terrible workout and it took for, it took an hour. It was a full, it was an hour long workout. It was what it was designed for. <sighs> and yeah, that's what I, what I wanted to do about halfway through. <laughs> It was not, not a lot of fun. Like my, even my little toes are sweating, you know, just like, it, as a matter of fact, I was so sweaty at some point I had to go get chalk cause we were using dumbbells and we were doing devil's press and I was legit worried they were going to come flying out of my hand. I was that sweaty and I put chalk and the chalk wouldn't take. That's how wet yeah. my hands were. They would just, well, it just turned into, yeah, just turned into muddy clumps Ish. of chalk. It was disgusting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I hated it anyway. Um, but then I went home and did nothing for the rest of the day, but watch football. That was it. I like sat on the couch all day long. And oh, you were sad. That was a sad football day for you. You're, I assume you're a Browns fan. It was a good weekend right up until the Browns. Every <laughs> all, all my, I knew the Browns were going to lose, and here's why. I'm a huge you're going to lose to the Jets. No yes. way. Yeah, yeah, and here's why. Let me tell you why. I uh, <laughs> I, I pay for the University of Cincinnati because my daughter goes there, so I root for the Bearcats. Okay. They won. Nice. They won. Uh, I'm an Ohioan, so I root for Ohio State. They won. I'm from Mississippi, huge Ole Miss fan. They beat the crap out of Georgia Tech, 42 to nothing. They won. Georgia Tech is so terrible. They year. destroyed them. Amazing. Like it was, it was over in the first five minutes. They were at 14 yes. to nothing within the first five minutes. Uh, my most hated arch rival, Mississippi State, lost in a heartbreaker to LSU. So all the teams I love won, and the team I hate the most got beat. I knew there was no chance that uh, Cleveland would win, but because God will not allow me to be that happy in one weekend, he would just right. You couldn't parlay it all the way through, huh? Yeah, yeah. You know, something's got to give, and it's going to be that last game. So, so there you have it. But anyway, it occurred to me, like when we talk about this training, we we rarely talk about like what do you do outside of it, and sure. how much is it going to impact? And so, you know, realistically. Yeah, I did a terrible workout and it is a lot of stress in your body and we can talk about that. But then I did nothing else besides watch TV for the rest of the day. My grandfather, who was a farmer, this dude used to literally be out in the fields, plowing fields. And I don't mean with tractors. I mean, with like, you know, pull behind, drag yeah, pull behind, you know, <laughs> all day long, like out in the hot yeah. Mississippi fields, you know, for, you know, far longer than eight hours for his whole life almost, you know, right. And, uh, and nobody was telling him he couldn't work six days a week. Cause he absolutely was, <laughs> you know? Sure. So yeah, That's I guess fair. my point is it's, is 
for me, it's more about like, what's the stress in your body and what are you doing afterwards? You know, cause you know, I fully agree. You can absolutely do too much in the gym, but you know, when I'm doing six days a week, which I won't this week, but when I am, you know, a couple of those days are pretty mild in total, not just the training, you know, like the training itself might be 30, 45 minutes and then the rest of the day, I'm not doing much, you know? So I, 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 try, I personally just try to balance it out with not putting too much stress on my body, which is why today I took the day off. Cause right. I mean, honestly, like I feel beat down right now. Like I'm exhausted, tired. I'm still trying to recover from this hand thing. I had a, I just, I need a break. I've got a long work week ahead of me. <laughs> like I'm not doing anything. Sure. You know, so, so here I am taking a rest day. Nice. Thank me. Tell me how great I am. I'm so smart. You are, dude, you are so amazing. <laughs> um, so uh, on that note, we can kind of get a little nerdy. I think some people would appreciate mm-hmm. it. And so this, this concept of establishing what you do outside of training, right. in the totality of your stressors is what we call allostatic load. Okay. A L L O static load. Right. And all it means is, is accumulative stress, from life events and your like the chronic stressors in your life. So this is like emotional, physical, spiritual, etc. And so people don't realize when we talk a lot about pain, and so you can always relate pain to training. They're very similar in how they act, right? Of how well we can tolerate a lot of training and how some days we just don't tolerate some things like we know we think we should. And so looking at the total stressors from like what your job is, how well you slept, what your food looked like, what's your personal life, the, the emotional stressors and the psychological stressors that you're getting. Like you said, you really have a, a rough week ahead with work. And so that's going to create a bigger allostatic load over the top of you, regardless of what your training looks like. And so those are things that we always have to take into consideration. And we do that a lot more with pain. Um, and we don't think about it as much with training. So I, I two examples. One of my, one of my athletes, um, is, uh, a, uh, a female has been to the games and she is just a workhorse. She's very fit. She can tolerate a lot of volume. And then when she's not training, she she's unbelievably active, like to the point that it's for sure overwhelming. Long, long bike rides, long runs, long walks, like through the hills and things like that. And and so a lot of what we've tried to do over the years and or over the last year of working together is like, hey. I know that you struggle to just do nothing, but when training is this high, like you can't go for 25 K bike rides. Like you live in the mountains and it's not, it's not a stroll through, you know, a park, right. Even if it was, that's so long to be on a bike. Right. And then on the flip side of that, one of my training partners here in Pensacola, he's a framer, right. And this guy is chiseled head to toe, doesn't only trains like two or three days a week because he literally can't tolerate any more training, but it works perfect for him. This guy, he's more active than all of us. He'll do more work in one day than I'll six months as far as physical activity. And he's balanced his training around that. He knows that he can't train six days a week or even five days a week, not even close because he gets up at crack of dawn, he builds a house and he comes and then he trains and he snatches 280 and you're just like, okay, Perfect. You know, he's like, got it figured out. And, uh, and it's just so interesting, right? How people's lives will roll into their training. And so for people that are listening, always think about that. If you're really struggling with not recovering or you're, you know, think about what all the other things 
you know, in life are happening. We talk about sleep and nutrition and stuff, but the real stressors and chronic stresses in your life have a big play in it too. Well, the, the Browns destroyed my allostatic load. How about <laughs> that? They, lo- they loaded all over me. Did you watch the game? Did you watch the whole game? The whole thing. Every no, no. second of it. I don't even you know get frustrated what, by it anymore, to be honest. Like that, it doesn't bother well, me. Yeah, you it's for long enough. You're just like, you know, it's gonna happen. Like you're, it's gonna happen. Good. Well, you guys won your first game, right? Your opening game for the first time in what, 15 years or something. Like yeah, that. we should have been two and zero. But yeah. that aside, um, <laughs> it is it is interesting though how stressors like that will start to compound. You mm-hmm. know, and it isn't just the one thing. Like you know, I, I, that that one didn't bother me. But you know, right. let's just say let's say it did. Cause there are a lot of people that that would really bother them. And then sure. you also, you know, so then it causes you to not get sleep and now you have two things, you know, and now you're up early and you're probably doing, you know, more work early in the morning you want to. So now you have more volume of physical activity in the day. Now you got three things and that's mm-hmm. how quickly it starts to compound on you. And that's the way I feel right now. Like it's like I had a couple of nights of bad sleep, a couple of long training days and all of a sudden I'm starting to feel like compound on me of, all right, it's all starting to catch up now. If I don't take a break, that's, you know, that's where you get injured and not injured because your you know, your body's overworked and you've tweaked something and you're going to make it worse. You get injured because you do something stupid, (laughs) you know, like you're too tired to know better, you know, or at least for me, that's my, been my experience. I am no doctor or, you know, no L1, but certainly. For sure. Yeah. And I think the, the CrossFit mentality has kind of, um, I don't know, shamed that of making, making it known to take it a little bit less sometimes. Now, if every week, like I need an extra rest day problem, maybe, right. There is a point where it's like, you know, are you just avoiding stress because training is hard, right? There is those, you know, that point where maybe less, less than common, but it does happen. It's like, Hey, this is just hard stuff. Like we just do hard shit every day, right? This is not easy. Um, but you know, it's okay to look at the situation and be like, I'm out this week. It doesn't matter. It's no big deal. There's no timetable, none of that stuff. Yeah, I think a lot of this comes from experience, and maybe people should be asking their coaches, you know, looking at how they're training. This is why I'm a huge advocate of tracking everything you do because you can really start mm-hmm. to figure out, like, what's causing yep. causing these things. But I think often, to your point, people will cherry-pick a workout because, like, oh, I'm tired, I can't go do that, and I'm really stressed out. When in reality, it's the workout that releases the stress often. So, you know, the kind of the opposite sure. end of this is you often need to go to get rid of some of this. I do for sure. Oh, yeah. Like I, I build a lot of it up and I got to go, you know, throw around a moderately light barbell and right. pretend it's heavy. Pound barbell. <laughs> yeah. To make, to make me feel better though, about how my day went, you know? Yeah. Sure. And, and it certainly helps. Um, but I do think you've got to start to figure out like, where's the balance in understanding when am I stressed and I need to work out and when am I stressed and do I need to rest? Cause those are, you know, two different things for sure. Right. So I've, I've had a bunch of questions lately. It's funny uh, when we were texting earlier and you said you wanted to talk about, uh, you know, when to get a coach or, you know, when to change programs you follow. I had a couple of people over the weekend actually mess- message me about that. Uh, one from a competitive standpoint, like, you know, the gym sure. that he goes to isn't competitive enough for him. And, and to his credit, he's like, a, I know the guy's really fit. 
and you know could probably stand for a better, more competitive environment program. Sure. But then you know I've talked to others that. Um, I, here's the one specifically we'll talk about first. The guy said to me, uh, my, my gems programming has become very boring. <laughs> Is it time to train sure. change gems? And yeah. I thought that was a really funny way to put it. Cause I'm like, I mean, what are you gonna do? Go, go, Hey coach, your programming's boring. And next thing so, you know, you're doing flaming rope climbs. You know, it's like, right. you know, how do you address that? What, what would you do if, if, if someone came to you? Cause you coach people and they go, Hey, CJ, this sure. is boring to tell, man. <laughs> How yeah. would you people it? tell me my programming is boring all the time, but there's, exactly. there's different. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, we do the boring stuff, right? We do like row intervals and long strength cycles and sled pushes and things like that, but class is different. Right. So, um, yeah, I think it's, it's such an interesting thing because you have to kind of decide what you want out of the gym. Um, and, and so if you're just there for a community, then it probably, that person, it probably doesn't matter to them what they're doing because they get to see their friends and they get to hang out. But if you're there to try to kind of accomplish a goal or, um, I've, I've looked into, uh, I've, I've been a part of a lot of gyms and I've been a part of a lot of people that are in a lot of gyms, right. Of athletes and looking at lots of programs. And, um, uh, most of the time they do keep it kind of clear, but there is this one situation I won't name the gym, but, uh, this gym has had the same exact five day rotation for like six years. Okay. And it's like a certain, a, a certain Olympic lift on Monday with a specific time domain, then like this very low skill EMOM on Tuesday, then a, a modified hero wad on Wednesday, Rama on Thursday. Right. And this it's been the exact same yeah. forever. It's like, I mean, you know, we're just going to do the same thing every week. Yep. Same thing, small, minimum, you know, physical changes. And, and yeah, I mean, I think you can always, you definitely want to bring it up. It depends on how close you are. If you don't care about the gym, then leave, right? There's plenty of gyms everywhere. Um, you know, but there's nothing wrong with saying, Hey coach, you know, I really feel like I'm, it's just, I'm kind of, I'm stagnant, right? This is like where you kind of roll in a little compliment sandwich. I feel like I'm stagnant. Like we've done a really good job getting where I am, you know, like what's, what's the plan with the programming? Can we expect any changes coming up? Or is this kind of where, where we're going to be? I have these goals that I kind of want to get to. And I feel like I'm not getting, um, you know, I wouldn't go up to the coach and be like, yo, bro, this sucks. Uh, that probably isn't going to get any forward, forward progress. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, I, that's kind of always the, the, the approach that I go with is see, I, know, I Jedi mind trick my coach when they do something really good. If Marty's listening to this, is I do this to him all the time, but I'm, I'm sincere about it, but still a little bit of Jedi mind trick. You got to work out you like, you got to tell the coach it was good. You have to because they'll do it again. You know, if sure. it's like a good rep scheme or you know, like a good mixture of movements, and you could tell the class liked it, you got to tell the coach, Hey, dude, that was oh, great. Yeah. I love that programming because they'll bring it back at some point. You know, yeah. like they're not getting feedback. They're going to do whatever the hell they they want to do. It's their business. Right. You know, I don't know. Jedi mind trick. I'm a big fan. Yeah, I like it. Yeah, I like it. Just totally, totally trick your, trick your coach and owner. Um, yeah. You know, I think that kind of rolls into uh, um, the next thing is like, you know, when class isn't working, like what, a, what do you do? And I feel like you're kind of there, right? You have these goals that aren't going to be, addressed in your class training right and we talked about it a little bit last week so kind of remind me like what you're doing um to kind of fit that 
niche that you need to reach the goals that you've kind of established? Yeah, I mean, I don't know if I'm not sure it's fair, and I don't think you're being unfair, but I don't think it's fair for me to say, you know, going to class isn't going to help me to reach my goal of putting up my best performance at the gauntlet. You know, I think most most CrossFit gyms, if you go five days a week and you track your workouts and you put in good nutrition and you actually put in the work, you do the warm ups and the cool downs and you ask questions and you RX when you should and you scale when you should. And, you know, you focus on intensity. Um, I think that's we should probably be enough to be able to put up a gauntlet performance, whether you could do, you know, great or not. I can't speak to your own athletic ability, but you should be able to go do it. You know, like we should be able sure. to go out and run a 5K and it's not a deal. You know what I mean? Um, but like in this, my current state, I'm like, I want to put up my best performance. Sure. And so I, so I'm giving them four days a week of sticking to their, my normal box training and doing what they say and, and scaling where appropriate, actually scaling a little more so I can focus on good form and put in good quality movement. And then, you know, two days a week, I'm doing the hard stuff longer. Sure. And it isn't just like, I don't want to make it sound like I'm just going in and just doing an hour long workout and turn on leaving. Like it's very structured and organized and, um, you know, we're focused on very specific things, mostly the things that you're not going to see often in a box like ski erg and sandbag work and sled pushes and and things that would very likely show up or could likely show up in a competitive environment. But you won't get in a class. You just couldn't do it in a class. You don't have the space. Sure. You know, right. So that that's really what we're and then, you know, there's a whole new an entire nutrition component that we don't even have to go into here. But sure. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think it's, um, yeah, I mean, you, I think everyone needs to kind of assess their situation and, and see what fits best for them. Um, writing off class is probably never the right first approach, right. You know, being more introspective about what you need and being vocal about, you know, those things, everyone in the, you know, the gym is there, there for you, right. You're the patron, like they want to help you and they want to do the things for you. So, um, yeah, always talk to the coach first. I uh, that's another debate we'll have to have on a different night on whether the the gym is for you or not. A lot of coaches feel differently. <laughs> Mine don't. Um, I think it's right. um, I think it's an interesting thing though of like try as a as a student or you know a gym member trying to decide when is this gym's programming not for me, right. Like, do you have a, do you have one or two, like when you're looking at somebody's programming for them, like you program for people, do you ever have to tell mm-hmm. someone, Hey, this, my programming is not for you. Um, yes, I do. But it's, it's from a little bit different of, um, uh, a little bit different of an approach. Right. And so as a one-on-one coach, right. That writes, um, individualized programming based on the goals of the athlete when the athlete establishes a set of goals, usually, and we'll be really specific, when the athlete wants to do better in CrossFit, specifically to the sport, to, you know, go to the games, and they want to they, they want to be at the highest level, all right? They want to make these sacrifices to be at the highest level. Um, and um, we, the athlete that I struggle with, or the athlete that we kind of had this conversation, is the athlete that doesn't want to do 
all of the necessary things, right? They just want to go in and they just want to do true blue grassroots CrossFit every day. And that's not how I program because I don't feel that's the best way to get better, right? You're not going to do Fran and Diane and Helen and Karen or Hero Wads or AMRAPs every single day. You're hardly going to do them ever, right? And so some people can't, they can't handle that. It's because it's kind of boring. It's very um, progressive. It's highly repeated, right? Very non-traditional right. compared to the, you know, uh, the definition of CrossFit. And so when the athlete really struggles uh, for that or with that, then they, um, they don't do it or they skip or whatever. That's when we have that conversation. It's like, hey, you told me what your goals were. I see these big holes in your training and your ability, and we have to focus on those only. We get to do a little bit of the things that you're probably really good at. And some athletes can't, they can't, they can't stomach it, right? They can't do it. They have to be able to compete with their friends. They got to just do whatever Instagram wad they found, or, you know, now it's what's rich doing. They got to do whatever Mayhem's right. doing, right. And what all their friends are doing. And so, um, that athlete, the programming, you know, we don't fit. Right. And usually we have that conversation. It takes a little bit. And I would say, I don't know, of the few hundred, no, I probably haven't coached a few hundred now. Um, we'll say 200 that I've like had on my roster over the past five years, um, six years. It's probably a hundred, call it a hundred, maybe three or four that's happened. Surely they were just like in and out quickly because they just did not, we just didn't jive together. Um, and so I've grown though, right? And so I used to be hard line, black and white, no extra, but you know, people want to have fun still, right? And so this isn't their professional job. And so we kind of find a balance between me and the athlete, you know, kind of where it is. Um, so that's usually the only place that is there. But from a class perspective, you know, I think you really have to look at it as do you feel like you're not getting any any better, right? Are you still stagnant? You're still stuck in the same skill progressions, not changing anything, not increasing your lifts, not if you're just stagnant, right? That's when you have to look at the programming, have that conversation with the coach, or look at going to a different gym. Well, so let's, I want to get some um, some of the problems out of the way, so we can make we kind of narrow the focus on this a little bit. Because I personally believe that it's usually not the programming as the athlete, usually. I mean, right. you know, I, again, there are ex obviously exceptions, but I guess the, the, you know, the big question here is, is like, how long should you have been under this programming and not seeing results before you should be asking that question? Like kind of what's Definitely. the time frame? Man, it's way longer than people want to admit. Like it's, it's a year or two or more, right? Um, it's a long time. It's not six months. It's not nine months. Now, there is a point, I think, if you are just purely unhappy, like you don't like the coach, you don't jive well with the people, right, from like the social aspect and the pure yeah. um, psychological things going on, that's different. But you got to give it some time, especially if you're new to fitness, you're going to get better no matter what. So say maybe you have, you just moved to a new area um, and and you, you just joined a new gym, you got to give it a year, right? right? I think you got to give it at least a year. Same thing with a coach. Right. We have people talking kind of on the side, like people jumping. I'm not going to jump topics now, but it's it's a year. Like if you're trying to try something new, it's it's got to be a year. You got to give it time. OK, so let's really say they're let's say they're in a year. They've given it a year and they're not mm -hmm. seeing progress. What are the other 
uh, underlying factors before we say it's the programming, what sure. are some things if you're looking at the athlete and saying, all right, I still can change some things with this athlete where at least I should be addressing it to see if those maybe are the problems. Like what are the things you're looking for? Um, I think the initial thing is, is if someone's that unhappy with it, then you, that person needs to really look and like, check, like, is it my ego? Like, is it my ego that's unhappy? Am I, am I not scaling when I need to, am I not hitting the stimulus as driven, you know? And so like when we do write these, like when, when I do write AMRAPs or when I do write like traditional CrossFit style workouts, most of the time there's, there's like a subsection in there. It's like, I want you to go unbroken on this part. I want you to have a split of this. I want you to have repeatable efforts. And so creating the stimulus is really important. And so if you're just going balls to the walls, every workout, you know, running, you know, Kool-Aid manning it, right. Just through the wall, then maybe take a check, take a step back and think about how you're approaching each workout and with creating intent instead of intensity, right. Being intentful instead of just bringing intensity to everything. And I know that's very CrossFit, you know, tradition is intensity, which I think is extremely important to actually create the stress to create adaptation. But at some point it isn't because the intensity is going to make you more fit, but it will not always make you better at the sport. Okay. And so those are two different things. Then you have to look at, um, uh, I think like all the other, like all the personal stuff, right? How often are you training? Is it just a lot? Are you struggling with it? Do you sleep well? Is the nutrition good? Looking at all of those secondary factors. But I think the first one you have to look at, and I always do this with my athletes if they feel like they're stagnant, we just look at the training itself or, or my injured athletes. You know, everyone's like, oh, my form and, and, and these very specifics, my nutrition is bad. And it's like, well, just let's look at your training. What is, that's what we can modify every day, right? We can make those adjustments. And so looking there, how you're hitting what's written, I think would be the first thing, right? Are you listening to the coach or should you dumbbell snatch 35s to go unbroken for 20 or do you stare at a 50 and take three and a half minutes to do 20 reps, right? Like right. I think there's, that's probably where it is most of the time. Um, but I've been to gyms where they walk in and it's 20 minute amp every day. <laughs> like, yeah, well. like on vacation, I, I, there's a gym I dropped into my family lived in, in a, um, in Texas, we went there a lot, and I dropped in there. The nicest people, I love them to death. Their classes were fun, um, but it was the same every day. I mean, it was twenty minute AMRAP, beat down, high volume, and I was like, "Oh my yeah, god!" That's, not that's, not coached. The, the athletes like coached themselves. The coach was just kind of there. They warmed up themselves. They got right. their stuff out. And he'd start the clock, and they would just go. And I was like, "This is amazing!" And he had like two hundred and fifty members in this gym, and they were there forever. And I was like, "This is the craziest thing I've ever seen." Yeah, it's like booty boot camp, you know, yep. basically what it is. I, I think we're one place uh, I'd love to see coaches help athletes or maybe just athletes be more introspective when they're going, oh, I'm not making progress. So my, you know, it's the programming's fault. I would tell you first and foremost, what's your nutrition look like? Sure. I can tell you with great experience, like my first year, if I could do anything over from the beginning, it would have been nutrition day one. Because I remember distinctly, I, I was training with these guys, small gym, CrossFit Distinction here on the east side. And at the time, you know, 20, 30 members total, you know. So all your flaws are exposed because you, you get a lot of attention from the coach. And I'm just getting my ass kicked every day by my buddies. Like I'm literally last every single day. And, you know, this is early in CrossFit. So in those, those days it was paleo. And I'm not advocating paleo here necessarily. I'm not against it. I'm just not advocating it. But compared to the diet I was on, 
it's the low hanging fruit of nutrition. You know, it's all organic and, and, you know, you don't eat anything that has more than one ingredient in it, you know? So mm-hmm. it's nuts, seeds, sweet potatoes, you know, um, you know, lots of, you know, lean meats and salads. And, you know, when you go from eating a lot of processed food to that, there's like a window of time it takes your body to adapt. But when it adapts and you start getting good food in all of a sudden, like, I started having really good workouts to the point that my buddies, it was noticeable. Like one of them said to me one day, what do you take? Like, what are you doing now? Like what happened? You're noticeably better. And it was just, you know, I was trying to outwork a shitty diet and all of a sudden I had better fuel, you know, and that helped me significantly. So I always wonder often when people are going, well, I'm not making progress. I wonder how much of that is just self-sabotage that could be fixed through, you know, getting a diet app and tracking what you're taking. You know, and, you know, there's hundreds of them out there. I use my fitness pal, but, you know, there's so many where you can just plug in and take a look at it. And then getting someone to help you really figure out what's best for you, because we're not all, you know, we're not all robots. Like what works for me doesn't necessarily work for you. I have a different DNA makeup. Like, you know, I've had my markers uh, taken and, you know, genetically speaking, I work better on a Mediterranean type diet. Mm -hmm you know what's prescribed for me and i should have you know kind of less glutens and some of that and i don't listen to that at all because i love pizza <laughs> but you know it's just 100 but that's not not true for everyone you know everybody's you know kind of has a different makeup so i you know i think nutrition is a monster piece early on where you should be able to look and say you know maybe it's me not sure not the programming you know? yeah and i definitely agree i usually um I think I said this last episode, I, I will always um, go with training assessments first um, over nutrition because I think it's just way easier, right? I think it's a more digestible, more attackable, low-hanging fruit. Changing people's nutrition, in my opinion, is very challenging. And so I'm also not in that realm. I try and stay out of it as best that I can. Um, so I will always lean towards training and training adjustments first um, when we're trying to make big changes where we feel like we're stuck or, or whatever. And so that introspection there, like the self-sabotage, you know, you look at it as slamming pizza and beer, which is not ideal for protein synthesis and actual, you know, um, uh, concepts of, of recovery biologically, but, um, neither is doing a workout and, you know, there's 80 snatches in it and the weight, the working weight, the RX weight is 85% of your max. That's right. probably going to go really bad. Right. So, um, I think there's, they're very much in the same, uh, so self-sabotage for sure. Well, and I always wonder like, you know, when people are saying it's not working for me or I'm not making progress, I, the, the question that doesn't seem to get asked enough is what are you not making progress in? Right. What do you do? How, what's your definition of progress? hundred yeah. percent. What are your goals? Like yep. I, I was I, talking about this over the weekend. I've been on this nutrition plan for three weeks now and have not lost an ounce and I'm trying to cut a little, but I've not lost an ounce. And, uh, some coach says to me, she's like, well, have you taken your in body scan yet? And I'm like, no, you know, and I know what she meant, which is, yeah, you haven't seen it on the scale, but are you seeing body comp changes? Do you feel different? Like, you know, um, and so I think that, you know, and she's right. Like, that's important. If you know, what, what is your goal? What are you really measuring? Is it weight loss? Or is it being more fit? <laughs> is it do you, would you if would you be happy weighing what you weigh now if you look like Adonis? Probably. 
Mm-hmm. You know, it isn't oh, really yeah, about sure. the weight. It's about performance and maybe aesthetics to some degree, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think, you know, clearly defining those goals with your coach and then measuring them, I think is, is really, really critical. Yeah. Um, when do you think, so I like, I'm doing it now and I've kind of explained why I'm doing it, but you I, I don't want to define you as a supplementary coach, but I think you can be to some degree. Mm-hmm. When do you go get a separate coach? So let's say you're going to a gym like I go to and you're like, I need more help outside sure. of what I have, or maybe I just want remote help. How, sure. what, how do people make that decision? Um, I think that's when, the, and this is pretty much usually what happens, right? The conversation has been had with the gym, the gym owners and the coach of the gym from the athlete. And they are not there to do that. They won't do it, right? The only thing they're offering is like personal training. Some people just can't afford $45 sessions twice a week, every week, right? Or three times a week, every week, okay? Right. And so, um, or $60, 45 is probably really cheap. So let's call it $65 or $75 sessions twice right. a week. And some people just want help with specific aspects of the sport. And class is not designed for that. No matter what, if you have... In my opinion, if you have a class that is that specific, you are ousting lots of people and you're highlighting some and you are just throwing some to the wolves. In my opinion, class should be that definition of CrossFit. But with that definition, you shouldn't be very highly specified in your training. It should be very general. It should be very varied. And it should be across a lot of time domains, right? And so, but some people know that they need pure aerobic work, right? Or they need running assessments or they need help with gymnastics specific or they need injury help. Injury is probably the number one, right? We'll try and stay, we'll try and keep it in performance. Um, but, but yeah, I think that's when it is. And so the first thing I always ask everyone, I do all the sales calls for all the one-on-one athletes that come into WAPRA. And so the ones that tell me they're in a gym and that they love their gym, I say, why have you talked to your coach? Have you talked to any coaches there? Have you offered, does anyone want to help you? And the answer always is they're too busy. I'm like, okay, great. So you've asked, you've done your part, but I think that's the number one thing you have to do because you will almost always burn the bridge. And I will be the first to tell you that your owner and coaches there will not like that you are working with someone else because everyone in CrossFit is too fucking proud to admit that they just can't do it all. And so, um, so that's when uh, it is when you need something specific and you know that class is not going to be designed around your, your specific needs, right? And I was like, I want to get muscle ups. Most people don't get muscle ups by going to class every day. It just doesn't happen. They, they, they get it by, you know, up a little bit here by purchasing muscle up madness and doing it outside of class. No, I have um, a course. Yeah, of course it's amazing. Um, yeah. So, but they do it for, you know, by working outside of class and they probably do it by watching a wad prep video and practicing the drills that Ben has given on YouTube. Right. And so, but that's where it's done. And some people just are at a loss for that stuff. They don't know how to organize it. They need some help. And that's when you go look for a supplementary coach. Now on that same note, is it appropriate to have a supplementary coach to a program you're already doing? Now that's a whole, I don't know if that's a topic to get into now, but I found that the more cooks in the kitchen, the harder it is to write a good training plan. Yeah, I don't and think so. Well, it's wouldn't. tough. It's yeah. tough, right? You know, and so it's very challenging. We do it with a lot of our athletes. 
Um, but we go in saying that you're paying us a monthly fee and you're working with us. We will work in class the best that we can. But when we don't know the class coming, we don't know the plan, we don't know what it is day to day, and you can't get the programming ahead of time, it's tough because we might snatch on Monday and then you might have Randy on Tuesday. And now we're just like, all right. Now well, we're just like all over the place. My workout yesterday had 70 wall balls in it and 50 toes to bar. Guess what the workout was at, at Crooked River today? It was 90 wall balls and 45 toes nice. to bar. So had I gone, I, I mean, that's partly Solid. why I decided to take a rest day because I'm not going to go repeat what I just did. Yeah. Right. Um, so, yeah, that's hard to do. I, I think you got to like give an example. You know, I've, I've been talking to the guys that hard work pays off a lot and they do supplementary programs like this. And, and I did that for a while. And it's really it is really hard to do to do someone else's programming and work it into what another gym is doing. It's damn near impossible. Wait, can you explain that to me? What does that mean? So they, they do a well, supplementary programming? Well, like they do like a gymnastics no. specific or they're writing your supplements? No, no, no. Well, no, I shouldn't say supplementary. They have their – it's their own program. So right. it's a you know five day a week lift metcon right okay 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 stretching whatever <laughs> and so you know you if you do that a couple of days at home and then try to go to your gym three days a week oh, that's tough but, man yeah it's, it's real hard <laughs> but where I think they excel and like I've been seeing it recently with them is they brought in a strength coach and Olympic lifting coach and you think of like Mal O'Brien who's you know arguably one of the greatest on the planet right now now has an Olymp- a coach that only teaches her Olympic lifting. And I think of all the everyday athletes out there that would benefit from saying, what's my weakness? What would help me in future Metcons? Maybe it's sure. lifting. Maybe I need to go get a lifting coach and do that on the side. Cause that you could easily right. work in or far sure. easier work in, or maybe yep. I need a, a specific gymnastics coach and you don't do it forever. You do it for 90 days. You know, six months, maybe, maybe you have to do it for a year. I don't know how bad you are at Olympic lifting, but, but, you know, you do it long enough to make some significant progress and then you go back and see if you, and go back and go, all right, now let me see if I can make progress under this gym's programming and you have a much better, you know, kind of baseline for making that decision and whether your gym's programming is pet or not, because now you are a more skilled athlete and can make better decisions for yourself. Sure. Um, and I, I, uh, I don't, don't smite me here. I will pull a bend. Uh, <laughs> and so in this notion, we've been trying to, we've been trying to, um, really break this down for a long time, right? Cause we do, we sell online programming, right? We have our online sure. platform and it's masters, but it was master specific for a long time. And now we kind of opened it up to the masses. And so the biggest reason why people come in and when they leave our churn is because people want to go back to class. It's like, okay, well, the reason why people come in is because they want to learn specific skills. Well, they don't want to buy our course, right? They want to do a plan that they can do kind of like every day. And so this is where we came up with, we actually have supplementary training programs that are continuously written three days a week to be added onto any type of class training. We have an engine program, a weightlifting program, and a gymnastics to do exactly what you said right now. It's not individualized. It's, it's a track, it's a group style, but it's highly specified, right? Gymnast, like weightlifting specific to just be added on after class three days a week, gymnastics, 15, 20 minutes of work to be added on. And it's not our courses. And so because of what you just said is exactly why we did it, right? It fits, it just fits the athlete better to allow them to keep going to class 
to do the fun things they want to do. They want to play with their friends. They want to hang out. They want to beat their frenemy, right, and rub it in their face, right, rep, et cetera. And so, but they still want to get better at muscle ups, right? Maybe they have a muscle up or two, but they want to they want to work on them. And so, this is this is kind of like where we landed because of that exact uh, that exact reasoning. You know, so, it's funny though, yeah. the, the irony in all of this is if people actually take this advice, you know, we started this whole conversation with going, class is boring. I don't like the programming. You want to know <laughs> what boring is, start doing online, take an online coaching class and have to drill by yourself at home and video your movements and send it to somebody like that's grunt work, but Smart. it pays off. I mean, it absolutely pays off. So I, I think that's the trade off is like, yep. I don't want people out there listening to this going, you know, CrossFit should always be fun. It should not always be fun. It's still, it's still training. You're training for yeah. something and you're yeah, trying to get sure. better. Yeah. Sure. It's drilling. You know, it is. And so this is what I tell everyone, right? So like on top of, you know, are you in a good training situation now? And when they say yes, then I tell them, I'm like, look, one-on-one coaching is solitude and a little vacuum by yourself. It is hard. And it's hard mentally more than it is hard physically because you don't get to compare yourself to people. You don't get to um, have the camaraderie of training with others. And uh, no one else is there to push you because no one else is doing what you do, right? And so this is like, I have this comment, like, are you sure you want to make that sacrifice? Because one-on-one coaching, especially when it is for the premium, like peak fitness level, it is challenging. It is hard to do to train by yourself against no one all the time, all year long. It's hard. I can't do it. I mean, I did it for yeah. a long time and I, I can't, um, like I can train, I can train it. I could train at home for a long time and I've done it before, but there's a huge difference between how hard you're going to push yourself in a training session at home and what intensity looks like in a group. Like I'm at, I'm at the gym the other day and I was setting up my phone to use the timer and, or a, Actually, I was doing it with one of my coaches, James, who maybe is listening. And I'm like, I'm not really doing this for time. I just want to move, you know. And then I find myself about five rounds in chasing him, you know. And when it's over, he's like, I thought you said you weren't doing this for time. I'm like, yeah, well, I heard your your barbell hitting the floor and we were keeping pace. Like, you know, yeah, yeah, I still got an ego. Like, I still want to chase you, you know. And that's the beauty of the class situation is it does, you know, there is a kind of this, I think most people, particularly CrossFitters are, you know, have this desire to compete, this desire to take on a challenge, to be better than themselves or someone else. Mm -hmm. And when you physically see somebody do something, you go, I can do that. And you try to shake it down, you know, and when you're training at home, it's not the same. Right. And so I, I, this is an interesting topic because uh, this is the double-edged sword of, of truly progressing, I think, at this the highest level. And the ego and the chase and the competing, I think, is good for some, but to demise for a lot because they will scale up. They won't they, – they will just turn everything into, you know, your weekend, your, your weekend competition and – it's hard to get better like that because you're not trying to get better. You're just trying to go as fast as you can. And so um, there's times to do it. And I think it's important, but I think those who can control that the best and understand when, Hey, I need to hit this workout with these intentful thought processes and not just to chase down James, who's 
Lance says is 20 years younger than you. Um, <laughs> is uh, He's 12 years younger, give or take. 12. Yeah, um, well, no, he may be 20. <laughs> no, maybe. <laughs> Mentally, he's only um, yeah, and so uh, so I th- I think that's that's a really good point, and I think that's really important for some like the a lot of the bigger training plans have that. So for example, training thing tank, a lot of what they do is the same for everybody, especially when competition gets closer, because right. they really push that. But for the people that aren't on site, and for the the middle tier athletes that need to really improve in large aspects of the sport. You can't just compete and chase someone every day. It will be very challenging to get better, right? And that's where I think you get that that stagnant process, and that's where class probably stops working for a lot of people in time is when you have these big, giant weaknesses that you never focus on because you just full send everything from three, two, one, go. Yeah, so you use the word intentful, and I think that's a perfect word because I um, – I view my workouts kind of like I do playing guitar. Like it's just muscle memory. Most of guitar playing is boring as hell. As as cool as it is to see people do it when they're really good at it, what you right. don't see are the hours upon hours upon hours learning chords and scales. Right. And and CrossFit's no different. Like the drill of learning how to snatch and clean and jerk oh, it's and worse. Oh, it's so boring. It's terrible. You just want to go out and get in the class and and work yeah. out. And lately, as I've been doing these really long workouts. When it's over, Jen will say to me, what did you learn today? And she's very specific about that because she wants me to be intentful about I need to walk away from that kind of horrible experience with some takeaways of what I need to do different next time and what worked and what didn't. Um, And so I've been really deliberate lately of going into workouts going, all right, I want to see if this works. I want to be very intentful in my process and, and, and see what I can accomplish between now and then. And yeah. when it doesn't work, I track it and keep it written down. So I know next time going in, I want to see, was it just that moment or was it, you know, sure. does it just not work for me? Was it diet related, you know, nutrition related, or was it just the stimulus? Like, you know, there's a lot there. Um, but I think the intentfulness, I think is a really important thing. People don't really look at very often. They just want to go have fun, chase their buddies, you know, and then they're viewing their success by whether they won by two seconds or not. Correct. 100%. You know? Yep. Yeah, it's, it's um, tough. yeah, it is. Uh, you had in your notes here. What's an off? What should an off season look like? We're in off season right now. Like, I was who uh, I was talking to Savannah, who's part of Wad Prep. <laughs> I was telling her I was doing this, and she's like, "Man, you're starting so early for Wadapalooza." She's like, "You should start two weeks out." <laughs> <laughs> That's a terrible idea. Yeah, she was. You know, she was trying to be funny. I'm like, "Yeah, I know. I could. I could put in like." five good days and then taper off for five days and I have four cheat days in between. It'd be perfect. You know, it'd yeah, be really a perfect lead in. It's funny. But, she's yeah. too, and so she understands long, long <laughs> buildup cycles. Well, but you know, I, but I kind of understood the joke, which is, you know, this is the off season and the open isn't coming till February, you know, so it's five months to the open. So like there is mm-hmm. the, the reality that, you know, am I going too hard too soon? Sure. Well, prior to yeah. that, what should, what should the off season, if you know, the, with the open coming up for most people, mm-hmm. and we're in the off season now, like what should it look like right now, like this part of training? Yeah. So, um, so I would I would say that we are we are actually starting our first phase of what the season generally would be. Okay. So, um, 
when we look at the general concepts of, of, of programming, right, this would be not quite preseason, a little bit before, right, because our, our season is only three weeks long. Most sports seasons are, you know, four months, six months, baseball's eight months, right? And so um, for the open athlete, that person, their offseason is pretty much from their true offseason is from like March, the end of call the end of say, beginning of April through the beginning of mm, August, four months, right? So that 16 week is their off season ish. And so in my opinion, and this is very much my opinion, the off season for the open only athlete. Now this is the athlete that probably that didn't get to quarterfinals. Okay. Is it going to semifinals? They're not going to the games. The open athlete, which is still 90% of our whole sport, which people don't realize like it's right. pretty much everybody. Okay. Um, is you have to f- go back to the foundational aspects of CrossFit, right. Or just general exercise physiology. So this is where like movement efficiency is important. So if you have these big movement flaws, we work them squat patterns, snatch patterns, clean and jerk, kipping patterns, etc. Um, and then we look at our pure strength limitations, squat, dead, bench, upper body pulling and pushing. Um, uh, and then we look at our, uh, our pure aerobic ability, run, bike, row, ski, right? And so the way that I like to look at it is I like to view it all as a puzzle, okay? And so CrossFit is the whole puzzle put together, right? And so we start doing, we do a lot of CrossFit to get ready for CrossFit, right? But we can't do CrossFit year round, mostly because all of us aren't 18 and 19 and 20 and can do kipping gymnastics every day year round to get better at kipping gymnastics. You can accomplish and improve a lot of the high high skill movements that you aren't good at by improving your foundations. And so these four months are about doing it that way, staying away from a lot of kipping gymnastics, staying away from a lot of high contraction type workouts. So like thrusters, wall balls, maybe um, lots of high volume hinging, um, uh, lots of, lots of, you know, like jumping and, and things like that. And so, um, uh, or like barbell cycling, et cetera, et cetera. So you kind of you break the puzzle apart. And what are the first things you do when you do a puzzle? Or you put the corners, or you do the corners and you do the border, right? So the off season is like setting your corners up, right? So we do strength, pure strength, pure aerobic, foundational, and then usually some form of like kinesthetic awareness. So like improving how well that you're moving, right? Um, right. And so, and then somewhere in there is like you're mostly prioritizing your biggest weaknesses overall. So maybe you're an engine monster. Maybe you can. Maybe you're a great runner, right? You you still have a twenty minute five k, but you didn't make your goals of getting the top ten percent. There's probably a huge hole of strength somewhere there, right? And so that's what we use the off season for. We take it a lot away from CrossFit of this like mixed training, AMRAPs, fifteen minute AMRAPs, things like that, and we keep it to. Um, our engine work purely a lot of time on the rower, a lot of squatting, um, uh, with load, a lot of like improving our Olympic lifts, um, with lighter percentages, a lot of, uh, probably the time of the year most where we're doing purely strict pull-ups. Now, if you struggle with kipping pull-ups and I'll make this as a blanket statement, this is my opinion, but it's a fact. If you struggle with kipping pull-ups, you should do more strict pull-ups. You should stop kipping. 
Because the person who can do 15 straight pull-ups never struggles with kipping pull-ups, ever. That person doesn't struggle. And if they do, they struggle for like a week, and then they figure it out. Upper body pulling strength, most important aspect, and I think all across it. I think it, it over supersedes all of it. But well, yeah, so that's kind of what the offseason looked like. In my off season last year, I mean, you're spot on. My off season last year for the Open, um, I wasn't, you know, my affiliated closed. I'd not started going to the affiliate I'm going to now. So I was training at home and I might have a gym in the basement. And it's got, you know, eight and a half, nine foot ceilings. So yep. what I can't do in the basement are muscle ups at all. Right. Now I can kip. But I don't like to because it's a little close to my head and, you know, I don't want to smash my head. Scratch, you want to scratch that up. Yeah. That'd be bad. So I, what I was doing was I was doing a lot of squats, a lot of strict presses, a lot of strict pull-ups, a lot of strict ring dips, um, you know, that sort of thing. And I, what I also can't do down there is double under. So I have this rope that's cut in half. It's made by RX and it's a training rope, but it, it's not connected and it's heavy. And it feels like you're doing double under. So what I was doing was a lot of bounding with the right. rope, spinning, but it, they weren't true double unders because there's nothing actually going to your feet. But it feels like you're doing double unders, right? Well, lo and behold, you get to you know 22.3 or whatever that workout was, mm-hmm. and it was double unders, thrusters, and muscle ups, right? right, and pull ups. I got the most bar muscle ups I've ever gotten in my life in any workout, let alone the open. And they felt like I literally, I literally did the first one. I didn't do any until the workout started. I did none in warm up, not even one. And I hit the first one, and I was up so fast. Like the guy judged me, look, gave me this weird look because I must have just looked completely and utterly shocked. Mm. Because when I hit the bar, like it actually hit where it was supposed to, like really low on my waist. Right. And like, yeah, barely in the middle of your pass. chest. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> how the hell did I get up here? You know, right. And they almost all felt like that, and I didn't miss any. And when it was over, he's like, wow, you've been doing a lot of muscle-ups. I'm like, nope, I've been doing a lot of strict pull-ups. Yeah. That's it, you know, and and I contribute that to And the double-unders are the same way. Like, you know, I didn't have to worry about getting the rope under my feet because I'd been bounding so much. My calves were, you know, ready for that kind of volume, you know. Sure. It, and it didn't win to me, which is the real problem in a workout mm-hmm. like that. So, yep. you know, it's just – it's interesting, you know, when people – you know, think about what they should be doing. You know, I think Ben and I have said it often and he probably sells a course for this, but (laughs) um, I'm, I am full on board with you. I think the off season is strict season. That's what they should call it. Do your strict Mm -hmm. work, all of it, strict handstand pushups, strict uh, presses, strict pull-ups, weighted pull-ups, bench press, all of it. All of it, yeah. I think. And then I, the caveat to that, I think, is it's like it's, I like to look at it as strongman season as well. Like, mm-hmm. if you got the same bag, make that thing as heavy as you can, and just it doesn't even matter what you do with it. Just move it a lot. Like moving really heavy things that are awkward. Like the barbell is great, right? It, but it is the literally the most efficient way that we have we could ever have designed to move weight from A to B, right? So. If someone was like, pick up this 300-pound man that's dead on the floor, you couldn't touch it. Now, could you deadlift 300 pounds? A lot of people can, right? And I don't mean to oust anyone that's listening or anything like that. But if you looked at a 300-pound person and you're like, I got to get this person out of a burning building, it is you are not going to pick them up and like walk them like you would a 300-pound barbell that you could just probably grab and stand up with a moderate effort. 
right? And so I love sandbag work. I love sleds. And the reason why I love it more so is because they are a lot of work without a lot of contraction volume, i.e. like a thruster or barbell cycling, right? And so the dynamic efforts of it are relatively low, but you can accomplish a lot of work without all of the, I hate to say the, I'm not going to say uh, wear and tear. Um, I'm not going to use that, but just the, the volume on the joints, right? Yeah. It's just not necessary, right? CrossFit is not going to, CrossFit from a performance and sport level is not going to make us live longer. I'm not going to try and lie and say it is, right? Um, uh, so being mindful of how much kipping you're doing or how much barbell cycling you're doing in time is important, right? But you can, again, that's why, you know, strict season. I love it. I think it's Did spot I, on. I've been doing a lot of sandbag work. I went down to my basement today to get something. I'm like, why is the floor crunchy? And it's like the sand's coming <laughs> out of that bag. Leaking. Yeah, well, no. it's not really leaking. It's like every time you drop it, you know, a little comes out. Like it just, mm -hmm. you can't help it, you know. And it's, it gets all over the place. But I, I no. swear to God, man, like I'm trying to work it in two to three times a week into something. It's a hundred pound bag. It's not, you know, mm -hmm. it's not crazy heavy, but it's heavy. And, you know, you're doing it lunges and on your shoulder and squats and, you know, every way, no. every way you can do it. And uh, you learn something new every time. And to your point, it's, it feels more for me, it feels more functional than a lot of the other movements I do. Like, you know, I do like a heavy clean uh, or a deadlift or or something and i feel like i'm moving a barbell but when i pick up a sandbag i feel like i'm getting a bag of dog food or like i'm doing something i would be doing around oh, the house sure. yeah. you know it, it just feels more real life to me and it's it'll also shockingly whip your ass in the middle of a fast metcon oh yeah, yeah. for sure think of uh, like a 100 pound sandbag clean is a worldly different than a 95 pound power oh. right i i did an 18 minute amrap this week i forget all the movements it was 18 minute amrap uh, 15, 12 cows on the ski erg, nine pushups, six sandbag lunges, three wall walks. That That's a workout. terrible workout. Oh my gosh. I did that to myself Great. too. I programmed that myself. And, uh, yeah, I, yeah, that's so bad. Those wall walks must've been horrendous. Well, so think about it. So you have, you know, the, the 12 cows into the pushups. So now your heart's moving because those are your arms yeah, are fried. Really you said ski yeah. into pushups ski yeah ski or getting to push-ups and then you have to pick up that sandbag and like sandbags and when you're doing lunges if you don't if you're not holding it right like there's oh, yeah. really Flopping one place you. you yeah there's one place yeah. you can hold it and you have to hold it tight and it's heavy and if it gets loose at all you're in a bad spot yeah it's like and rolling and flipping and pulling you yeah, yeah and it's like any heavy implement you don't want to pick it up more than once it's only For six sure. lunges, you know, so it's like, all right, I have to get this right, you know, and then, you know, you're going into wall walks so and now you're out of breath and now you got to get inverted, you know, but the yeah. point to that is like, it was the, you know, the six lunges, which doesn't sound like a lot because it's only six, but dude, mm -hmm. I'm not, I'm not kidding. Oh, that's terrible. Your heart Every is, time, there's, yeah, it was rough. I, I just sit in there, stare at the bag. Like I don't even pick it up, <laughs> you know, yeah. have a conversation not, with it. yeah, it was, it was not fun. To say that's the tough. Wall walks paired with ski is that's <laughs> not it's not nice. That's that's a that's a martyr. That's a martyr. martyr wrote that workout. Oh well, I I wrote it because I'm working on weaknesses. Those are you know yeah. three of those four movements are very likely going to show up at Waza. You know, oh, and for sure. I guarantee you, wall walks will, and I'm pretty sure sandbags will because they're mm -hmm. it's all the rage these days. 
Yeah. And well, they're easy. They're here. easy to do. Is what they are. They're easy to judge and they're easy to put in. They don't take up a lot of room. They're cheap. You don't need a lot of equipment, and it's cheap. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's that's my big advice to people buying one because they're easy to have at home. I bought mine on Amazon. The bag itself is like twenty five bucks, yep. and then sand is like five bucks wow. for twenty five pounds or something. You know, yep, from Lowe's. Yeah, yeah I, um, my uh, one of the things. So I am three weeks away from uh, being a dad for the first time, uh, and so uh, which is amazing. Um, and so I'm trying to. Yeah, I have a full home gym. I'm very fortunate, and so I have a 150 bag, and I think I'm going to get a 200 pound bag just to like have, like just to have it here. Right. And pick it up and throw it around just a little bit, you know, get out there and like, Hey, I'm just going to move this 20 times. It might, it probably will take me 40, <laughs> 40 right. minutes to do 20 times. I'm not very good at the sandbag, um, relatively speaking. And so, um, but the more comfortable I've gotten with my 150 over the past, like six months, um, I've had, uh, I just haven't done a lot of squatting. Um, uh, I had a lot of knee tendonitis post quarterfinals that really stuck with me into the summer. Um, and so, but I just started squatting again. I started pulling from the ground really heavy. I'm 95% where I was. And I, and I was at PR like lifetime maxes during the quarterfinals and I'm right there. And I know it's for sure because of all the sandbag work without a doubt. And so I love sandbag. I think it's great. And it doesn't make, and main reason it doesn't make a lot of noise. I was about to say, for, if you got babies or young kids or you, or you just got neighbors that get tired of listening, you drop a barbell. Like my neighbors have complained. Sandbag's mm-hmm. great because it just sounds like a thump, man. Thump. Like it, yep. it's done. there's no, no reverberation. It just drops. Yep. Yeah. Just drops. So, yep. It's good. But wherever it ends up in your house is where it's going to stay because mine's in the basement and there's no chance oh, of coming upstairs. <laughs> You're walking up the stairs. Yeah, no, yeah, no way. Yeah, I'm selling it with the house. Outside. I'm like, hey, there's a. <laughs> you guys can have the house, sandbag included. Enjoy. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Can't afford to get out. Yep. Exactly. All right, dude. Well, it's been fun. We need to get. Uh, we need to get uh, Ben to create a sandbag course. That'll be his next thing. A sandbag course. I. You know. Um, who's he talking? I. That's actually like not not in the works. I feel like he's, we talked about this. He's talking with somebody. I can't remember who. Brute Force is it Brute Force? Does Brute Force have sandbag stuff? I think it's them. Anyways, since I know he um, doesn't have a course currently, I'm just going to bring it up every week. Yeah, because it won't have it won't have anything to reference. Just to drive him crazy, it'll be great. Perfect. Perfect. Yeah, (laughs) I love it. All right, dude. Uh, Have you heard from him? I haven't actually. Uh, the last time I heard from him was the day that last Monday when we were on the call. Um, that was the last time I heard from him. So uh, I'm going to assume he hasn't killed anything yet, and he's still on the on the prowl, as well, they would say. We're sure he's still amongst the living, though, right? He's good. Yes. Oh yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah okay. He's still alive. Hey, he, I sent him a text. He didn't respond, so I just figured he's you know. Yeah, me, it'll be. I think it's like he gets like real signal every like 24 or 48 hours or something like that so that makes sense that um, makes sense he's around, all right maybe a barium <laughs> well we'll do cool. this again next week and then he'll i don't yep. know when he, if he ever comes back we'll invite him back but until maybe. then until then we'll be back next week so thanks for joining right. cj and uh for everyone listening appreciate you guys being with us and we'll see you next monday yep. adios